You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Thursday. I'm not going to begin to recap what hour one was. You can check it out on the podcast. Come on in and stay a while. Chris Mad Dog Russo will stop by, as will the actor who portrays Jerry West in the HBO series on the Lakers Showtime winning time. Jason Clark will join us as well. Uh, not winning time for these Lakers. They lost to the lowly Houston Rockets last night in overtime. Here is the uh, former Laker great James Worthy. I didn't think that we could hit a new low, but we hit a new low tonight. Um, the worst team in the league uh, to be able to dominate like they did in overtime. You know, at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of expectations about this team to win. And I think they are at a point where they know they're not going to meet those expectations. It's, it's almost like they're, they're not dead on arrival, but they just don't have that tenacity. They don't have that will to work their way out of this, even to, to get to the, to, the, to the playing game. And, you know, you would think they would might be able to with a healthy team, but I don't even think it, it doesn't seem like they believe in anything. I'm with James on this. It feels like each time they have one of these losses, I go, okay, that's as low as they can go. No, as low as they can go is you don't even make the play-in game. That's all that's left here. Because can Anthony Davis come back? Okay. Can LeBron put it together for a couple of games? Okay. First of all, they don't play defense. doesn't seem like they care. Frank Vogel is not going to be the coach next year. They're going to get rid of Russell Westbrook. I don't know who they bring in. It's LeBron and Anthony Davis, unless LeBron says to the Lakers, look, it's better if I leave. You guys can start over with Anthony Davis as your centerpiece. I don't know. But when I watch them play, it, there is no sense of urgency. And I can always tell on the defensive side of things and how you are in the huddle. Are you animated? Somebody taking charge there. Is there a spirit there? And there's none. It's one of those where... You know, the body's not cold, but it's dying. And that's what I look at when I see the Lakers. And LeBron is putting up good numbers. As I said a couple of days ago, I think there's going to be more emphasis on passing Carl Malone as the second leading scorer of all time because you're not going to be talking about what's going on going into the playoffs, making the playoffs. Like you lost to the Rockets. And the Rockets aren't good. But this was their, you know, we're going to gear up to beat the Lakers. And they celebrated. And good for them. Celebrate these small victories. Or in that case, a big victory. They beat the Lakers. All right, phone calls always welcome. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Uh, as I mentioned, Chris Mad Dog Russo will join us coming up. Colts traded. Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. The word that I saw in, in a lot of the articles, desperate, desperation. Commanders, did they need to give up a couple of draft picks? I would have thought, hey, will you pay his salary? Will you take his salary off our hands? And then you throw in a couple of draft picks? And I'm going, who were the commanders bidding against? Now, okay, there is a report. There are other teams that were interested in Carson Wentz. Okay, maybe. I'll go back to, remember when Philadelphia was fielding offers, plural, and they weren't? And I told you that? And I got criticized by some guy on the NFL Network? I'm like, uh, no. 
there's only one team interested in Carson Wentz, and that was Indianapolis. And now, you know that uh, Jim Irsay wouldn't even meet with Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz wanted to have one of those, hey, season ended, want to go in and talk to you, maybe sum it up, apologize. Jim Irsay reportedly wouldn't meet with uh, Carson Wentz. And then next thing you know, you trade him to Washington. Uh, I wouldn't rule out Washington taking, uh, taking a quarterback, even in the you know, first round. I, w- I wouldn't rule that out. They got the 10th pick. I, I think there's a really good chance that they would. I would do that. But I would not take Carson Wentz and, and one of those that I'm going to kick the tires on him and go, you know, let's see if it works out. And if it doesn't, like, I don't, I don't want to take somebody for $28 million, a couple of draft picks here, and say if it works out. It, it, it's, you know, I kind of like it to um, a, a prenup. Hey, I love you. Let's get married. But you know what? I think we need to have a prenup. Wait, but do you love me? I do. But it kind of comes with uh, a caveat here. But the upside is there for Carson Wentz. I just think from what I've been told, he needs to be as, as focused on his personality, his demeanor, his leadership, as he does his actual football performance. And that's saying a lot at that position. Uh, baseball canceled more games. Uh, watched Tiger go into the Hall of Fame last night. His daughter uh, gave the uh, speech to induct him into the Hall of Fame. The Nets at the 76ers tonight, and this is, I'm trying to think of a more hyped game where the reason why you would tune in is because a guy is going to sit on the bench and not even play. This is in Philly, and we're going to have Ben Simmons. It, you know, if you're playing, it would be better, because if you're on the floor, like, you're away from the crowd. He's going to be right there on the bench. And I'm sure he's going to get an earful there in Philadelphia. Yes, he. Yeah, it's like you're kind of tuning in for the crowd yeah. tonight. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, Paul. Don't you think that Ben Simmons of the Nets will not play tonight, but for some reason will be suddenly healthy in two or three mm. games from now? Not, not nine games from now, but two or three. You can't do the next game. Okay, like, let's do over under. I have the schedule. Okay, Ben Simmons. I'm going to put it at two and a half games after this one. Okay, so uh, after the uh, playing at Philly, they're home against New York, right. at Orlando, home against Dallas, home against Portland. Pick your game. I'm going to say home against Portland. Home against Portland. Not at Orlando. No one will be watching. Orlando's not the roughest crowd in the world, my guess is. Mm. I, I, I'm going to have him, you know, I want him to have some familiar backgrounds there when he's shooting. So I would probably say a home game. But, uh, you know, Portland will be my answer there. Uh, Let me see. What else do I have here? Um, I watched the Syracuse game. I watched that in real time against Florida State. And uh, I asked Paulie to pause it because I'm watching the game. We just got finished with the show. And it was a noon tip-off. And, uh, you know, here's Buddy Beheim, his father, of course, the head coach. And there was a box out. And then he ended up uh, turning and, and hitting the Florida State player in the stomach. And he got, you know, look, it, to me it looked like a, an aggressive box out, but it didn't look like something that was egregious. It looked like a basketball play. Well, I said to Paul, I said, Buddy Beheim, just punch somebody. And, and he, the, the referee was behind the player who got punched. And I said, Paulie, pause it. He, he's he's going to get kicked out of the game. 
Well, they didn't kick him out of the game. And then I wondered if retroactively you could go back and the ACC would look at this and then suspend him. And then Jay Billis said, no, you can't do it. It's the rule. Now, Buddy Bayheim should have been thrown from the game and you could suspend him for this next game against Duke. But if you didn't do it in the moment, you're not supposed to be able to do it retroactively. Here's Jim Bayheim after the game talking about his son and his punch. Jim, early in the first half, there appeared to be a play where a buddy caught a Florida State player in the midsection. And I saw the play. The kid pushed him twice, and he swung around and hit him. And I think it was inadvertent, but that's okay. I, I just watched the play. And you go front right. It wasn't much of a – it wasn't a – it was like – Coach, I'm watching it right here. It's on ESPN, and it's being shared all over social media. He punched him in his stomach. It wasn't inadvertent. It would have been a – Whatever you back. say. Whatever you say. Well, Good. You say it. I just gave you my version of what I saw. Um, Coach is speaking like a coach, but speaking like a father. You know, you're going to protect your son. And I know people have talked about Buddy Beheim, nicest kid you'll ever meet, and I'm sure he is. In this moment, he was wrong. Did he deliberately punch this player from Florida State? He did. Didn't get caught. Got caught after. I can't suspend him after if the rule says you can't do that. But in the moment, I would have I would have tossed Buddy from the game. Now he's going to be on the sidelines for Syracuse game against Duke. Doesn't look like Syracuse is going to make the NCAA tournament. He's going to probably end his career on the bench watching Syracuse play against Duke. Yeah, Paul. Okay, if you guys were in charge of discipline for the ACC, would any of these mitigating factors have affected your decision? He's never been in trouble before for a violent act in the game. This is not like second or third offense, a.k.a. Grayson Allen. Second part, would you factor in the fact that he's a senior and it's the, uh, the ACC tournament is going on? It's not just a regular season game. Would either of those things be involved in your decision? No. Yes, yes, Tom. Could you do what college football does or used to do with the whole one-half thing, make him sit out the first half or something like that? Or is that, you know, you got to take a stronger stand than that and make him miss the whole game? I, you know, whatever their discipline is, you know, fine, if, if, if it warrants that. But this is a situation where you have a rule in place, according to Jay Billis, and, you know, Jay is saying you can't do that because you're going to punish him after the fact. And there's a rule that says if you're going to punish, you punish in the moment. They, they could have reviewed it in the moment. They didn't, which I'm surprised when you see this player go down holding his stomach. And, you know, the player did say, hey, they shouldn't suspend him. And, and, and Buddy came up to him and I guess said sorry a couple of times after the game. But he punches him. This isn't inadvertent. He didn't sort of turn to go up, up court and then run his fist into his stomach accidentally. He meant to hit him in the stomach, and he did. That's all. I mean, it. this kid goes down and, and is doubled over. Like, that's if I'm an official, I at least I want to know how that happened. You're doubled over. So you got hit with what, an elbow? Oh, you got hit with a fist? No. They should have looked at it in the moment there. But if I look at it, I mean, he, it's a closed fist. Elbow, we can look at that as part of basketball. A fist, can't. No? Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that uh, like the, the pushes that Coach Beheim was describing looked very much like a basketball play. 
You know, you're sort of jockeying for position down under the hoop and you're shoulder to shoulder and you move somebody out of the way. It feels a lot more like a basketball play than yeah. turning and punching somebody in the stomach. The Florida State player had a basketball play. Yeah. Okay. Now, he's boxing out, which nobody does in college basketball, but he does get into Buddy Beheim. But that doesn't mean that you get to turn and punch somebody. Now, you can get back at somebody. Guys get back at players all the time different ways. But that's right there. It's just you and him under the basket, and it's plain for everybody to see except for the official. Yeah, Paul. You know who should hate this? Duke, their next opponent. Because this is exactly when Syracuse pulls the upset, when their best player is out, when everyone mm. thinks they're going to miss the tournament. Mm. This is when Syracuse, with almost on life support, finds a way to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's tough to watch. You know, Buddy Bayheim has had a really good career. He's averaging 19 a game. Uh, you know, tough to play, you know, with your dad as the coach without us going, well, would he be playing or starting or getting all those shots if it dad wasn't the coach? Buddy Bayheim is is a legitimate player, good player, and maybe gets a chance playing in the NBA. He's a really good shooter, size. Yes, yeah, he And even like the nicest people in the world, sometimes they lose their cool. You yeah. know, sometimes they do things that are out of character. It happens. It's totally human. Yeah. Couple of phone calls in here. By the way, the uh, song that you want to turn off, that's our topic today. We all, it, after we talk to Mad Dog Russo, we'll have that for you. We'll give you the song that when it comes on, we turn it off. And uh, you'll be able to uh, give us yours as well. Yes, Seton, you seem poised to. Are you going to surprise me with your irritating song? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Delhi in Chicago. Hey, Delhi, what's on your mind today? Hey there. Hey, thanks for taking my phone call. Yeah. I wanted to talk about if, if Paulie's all about stats, then my Chicago Bulls should win the uh, championship. Okay. Uh, and, and also, I tracked down Paulie's ex girlfriend. I found her working at the International House of Pancakes. Oh, the IHOP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dilly. Uh Paulie dated a woman who had uh, partial leg amputation. That's right. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> we can't go down this road again. Yeah. No, we, we, we sort of one and done with that one. We, oh, wow. Whoa, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, yeah, you did. Yes, you I didn't did. mean it that way. Come on. Yes, I'm not going to stand for it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is it Carly in Kansas City? Hey, Carly. How are you? First time, long time. Hi, Carly. So, my husband is actually an amputee, he is missing his entire right arm. He is a member of the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff, so we have the uh, unofficial amputee make fun of rules. So, first of all, if you are a comedian, fair game. Eric Stone Street is a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan, um, very close with my husband, Porter. He actually gave Porter an arm in front of the entire team last year for Christmas. He also did a presentation during uh, COVID, um, making fun of my husband for actually contracting COVID during the NFL season when he only has one hand to wash. So you are allowed to make fun of amputees if you're a comedian. Second, if you are close friends or family, like I'm his wife, I can make fun. So I would have to know how it ended between Polly and this girl to see if he's allowed to continue to make jokes. Okay. And then the last rule is you can't make fun of person in front of the person responsible for the accident. So like my my husband's father doesn't so much appreciate one arm jokes because he was the one uh, involved in the farming accident with my husband when he lost his arm. So those are the unofficial amputee uh, joke rules. Uh, thank you, Carly. 
Thank you. We appreciate that. So Todd, she said if you're a comedian, you can make fun Which of people. We all know so I'm you're not. not. So that's out. Paulie did date this woman. That's right. Did you love her? It was not that long of a relationship, Dan. It was more of a summer thing. But uh, yeah, I remember it was cut short. <laughs> you can't say it. I can say it. Just write the jokes and I'll deliver. Can't say it. <laughs> I Oh, I see what I did there. She actually got mad at me once. Honestly, this is a true story. There was a guy on campus who's a very good athlete. He played on our football team at Southern Illinois, and he lost his arm in an accident, I think a motorcycle accident. Oh my God. And he was a very good athlete. He was so good that he won a boxing tournament with one arm on our <laughs> Like we did this boxing tournament. He came out to the bar one night, and he just happened to be at the bar, and I introduced the two. She goes, so you introduced him to me because you thought we'd get along because he has one arm? Mm. I go, it had nothing to do with it. He just showed up. He to show up. That's it. How about we take a break here? <laughs> Mad Dog Russo is going to join us coming up. <laughs> we'll take a break back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. LifeLock. LifeLock is here to help you. And identity thieves, uh, they do so many different things. You know, cybercrime, identity theft, how it affects our lives. You know, with COVID, as if COVID wasn't bad enough, pop-up COVID testing sites, identity thieves have been using them to harvest personal information without any intent of providing COVID test results. So remember, never pay or give out your social security number to receive a COVID test. Never. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives every day. They can steal what's yours, harm your finances, credit card, reputation. That's why it's great there's LifeLock. Helping detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If you have access to a dedicated restoration specialist, that means you signed up with LifeLock. They will help you if you become a victim. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year. Promo code Patrick. 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com. Promo code Patrick for 25% off. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. More phone calls coming up. Strongest field of the PGA Tour tees off on one of the great golf courses in America, TPC Sawgrass, who will have this year's defining moment. The players, Saturday at 1 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Go to PeacockTV.com to sign up. It's almost like uh, after 30 years, he's become an overnight sensation because it feels like the rest of America is now experiencing Chris Mad Dog Russo because he's on first take with Stephen A. Smith. Chris has been doing this for a long, long time, battling anybody, everybody. Mad Dog Unleashed on Sirius XM, Sirius uh, that's uh, Channel 82, host of High Heat on Major League Baseball Network. Congrats, Chris, on this uh, overnight success. Uh, out of nowhere, Danny, you know how much I love coming on. How you doing, pal? Okay? I'm good. I'm good. You argue for a living, but when you go on first take, how much say do you have in those topics that you're going to be exploring? You know, more than I thought. Uh, you know, um, we, they, we did a little baseball a couple weeks ago. I suggested maybe something on Krzyzewski yesterday because obviously, you know, the Duke game on on uh, Saturday and the fact they play today at noon. Uh, so I thought you had to do a little college basketball. Um, you know, I'm careful. It's Stevie's show. So, I mean, I get, you know, I, I'm a new guy on the blog. I don't want to make any waves. I thought maybe you had to do something on Calvin Ridley, you know, with the gambling thing, with the one year. I, they agreed on that anyway. 
But I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, I will basically, I will be gentle, but I suggest, you know, what the hell? I've been doing this for a long time. And, and as you said, it's almost like I've been debating my whole life. Half the time on serious, I'm talking to myself for three hours. So as a result, I come up with topics. I did it with Mike for 19 years. Um, I've been on all these. I've been on with your show a million times. You and I have had plenty of debates going back to your days at Sports Center. So it's almost like I've been trained to do this. So I'm usually fairly comfortable. I think the two sports I'm a little shaky with right now. If there was a big boxing match, Steve's great with that. I'd have a little work to do. And NBA regular season, you know, especially right now where it's sort of in and out of the clouds when I'm more into the college. Um, you know, maybe it could be a little spotty, but, uh, you know, I'll adapt the way I have to adapt. But I've had a little say. I've had some say in what I think in a two-hour thing. That's a long time, two hours to talk. So I've had a little say. A little say. The art of winning an argument. What is your art of winning an argument? Well, in the old days with Mike, it was a case of, you know, out screaming him <laughs> and, um, and, you know, maybe figuring out a way to get, you know, sort of wearing him down, you know, the battle of attrition. And eventually Mike would, or me would just throw up the white flag, you know, and I'm not going to win this one the hell with it. All right, you win. Um, in this particular situation where you don't want to come across as a loudmouth bully, as you said, you know, who in America knows who Chris Russo is. So you have to be a little more gentle. And again, you know, I still consider myself almost as a guest, more so as a semi-co-host. So I don't want to overstep my bounds. Um, but the great thing about him, and I don't know if you know him that well, Dan. You may, I don't know what your relationship, but the great thing about him is he doesn't care who gets to credit as long as the show is good. A lot of guys wouldn't do it that way. You know, in my show, I've been doing it for 10 years. You're a guest and you're going to follow my lead. He doesn't seem to have that attitude. So as a result, if I want to scream and yell about where Curry is with Bird, I want to scream and yell about where Wilson is with uh, Rogers, at least in the first couple of appearances, he's let me do that. So uh, I think I've learned in my life not to go too crazy because you can win an argument and still look bad. You know, you can, all right, you win, but it doesn't come across well. And you also want to be likable. I mean, right. You're on TV, you're on radio. There's got to be a little likability factor. So you want to be able to get your point across. Great if you win, but have some fun doing it. And you want that to come across. So if you have to lose an argument for the sake of losing it, because it's good TV or good radio, I think I didn't know this 15 years ago. I probably know that now. He's uh, Mad Dog Russo, by the way. He's got uh, a new series of episodes on his Digging Up the Past podcast debuts this month. You focus on the history of the NCAA tournament. First episode is Magic Bird 1979 title game, and uh, you can get that on the SiriusXM app. Uh, What's the one thing that you would want the audience to take away from this that maybe you discovered on Bird Magic 1979? Yeah, it's a. Uh, this is going to be all about the '80s, um, and uh, yeah, we did the first half, first uh, forty years uh, last year. So this is the second part. We're going to break it down into five parts: the switch from NBC to CBS, the rise of the Big East, the classic games, and the Bird Magic thing. Now, obviously, Magic and Bird are you're not going to get them. So, yeah, you know, I did uh, I did the interviews that Larry Brown was at the games. I did Packer. I did Bob Ryan. I think the one thing that I didn't realize, Ryan insisted, and he was there, that Bird was hurt, that he hurt his wrist sometime in the course late in that year, 
and didn't feel right that night. Now, he shot seven for 21 and was not a factor in the game. As you know, Michigan State, where you and I are old enough to know this, Michigan State was a much better team, and Bird was not 100%. That's what, uh, that's what uh, Ryan said emphatically. Uh, Packer, his theme is what you and I have always thought about, too. At least, you know, nobody really quite knew watching those two players how great they were going to be in the NBA. Magic slow, couldn't shoot. Bird, you know, you know, slow, you know, not a great defender. How's, how would his game translate? And Packer on two or three cuts in that episode, which is 40 minutes long, in two or three cuts said none of us thought that the two of them were going to be great NBA players, including Al McGuire. So I think those two little tidbits are interesting. And remember, too, Danny, you remember this. I did, too, because I was 18. I was in college. I was a freshman. Bird played two great games that Indiana State did before that championship game. They beat Moncrief and Arkansas in the regional final. That was the year after Mark Arkansas got to the final four, but Ron Brewer and Marvin Delph had, had graduated, so only Moncrief was left. They won by a basket, and Moncrief and Bird were great, as you know. And then in the semifinals, they beat Aguirre from DePaul, and Aguirre was great, Ray Meyer, and that game was by a basket. So they had played two unbelievable games, and then they played this terrible game in the final. So I thought that was interesting. A lot of interesting little tidbits. Um, you know, you and I, we remember it because you and I are old enough. Yeah, I mean, probably a little younger than me, but we're about the same age. So we, and you're, you, and you're a good player as it was. You remember all these games. But even I picked up on something. That's why these podcasts are good, because you do all these interviews with older guys who are still sharp as a tack, who give you good information. I'll give you one that you'll find fascinating. You ready for this? I did Bayheim on the Big East to talk to him and on his game that he lost to Indiana. In 87, when they lost to Indiana, the chaperone who was in charge of getting Syracuse to and from New Orleans was crushed that they lost, Indi- lost to Indiana. When they went back there in 2003 in New Orleans, Beheim gets on the bus with the chaperone, and the first thing he says Let's win this championship. It was the same chaperone from 1986. <laughs> Things like that that you pick up that are interesting, you know? Uh, if Bird or Magic would be better in today's NBA, which one? That's, you're, you can answer that probably better than I can. I think Bird would be great. In, I think both would be great. I mean, Magic, you have to wonder a little bit about his quickness, his three-point shooting. You know, if the game's different, you know, he was a – he was a wonderful fan, and he wasn't unbelievably fast. So it's a, it's a, and his three point shooting. Bird was a great three point shooter. So I have no, I think Bird might be a little better organized today than Magic would be because Bird was a great, well, they both were great passers, but Bird was a better shooter than Magic and a better three point shooter and everything else. So maybe Bird's game translates, but I think if you're an all time great, you're an all time great. And I think both of them. Uh, would be great today. And I made the point with Stephen A. last weekend. I don't know if you saw it or heard about it. And you might disagree or not. And I'm not arguing body of work. But if you ask me in the peak of their career, in a seven-game series against an equal team, who I'd rather have, Bird or LeBron, I might take Bird. That's oh. how good he was. 
Um, I think Larry, if he had stayed healthy, we always love to have that caveat, but it wasn't till LeBron was around 30 when I said he's a better basketball player than Larry. Because there was a season where Larry averaged pretty close to a triple-double. And I think it was when he was 29 or so. And, you know, it, it was 39-8 and eight for Larry. And, and Larry wasn't about numbers. Everybody's about numbers now. Uh, you know, if you're 39 and eight, you're going to go, I'm going to average a triple double. You know, Bird, that, that, you know, he didn't calculate games that way. But right. um, if you said it's one game, I think, Chris, then, it, then it's an interesting argument. But well, I, I said, I said series, you know, on a seven game. Okay, series. so one game, would that be any different? Would you, would you take Bird over LeBron one game? Must I, I think I, I th- he's a better shooter. He's a better shooter than LeBron is, and he's a better outside, and he's a better free throw shooter. Um, and here's the thing that I argued, and you would remember it well, and I think there's something to it. I've seen LeBron. He was bad against Dallas the year they lost. Yeah, he played terribly yeah. in that series. You you've been around forever. You ever see Bird in a big when he was healthy? You ever see Bird in a big series, lay an egg? I saw I him. It. I saw him have a bad shooting performance. I, I he had the bad game against the Lakers the year that they the Magic's baby hook. Yeah, because I was at that game, team. and I you know Bird and Bird had a chance at the end. He had. Oh, a, I had a wide open three. Yeah, he had a, a wide open three. James, you were Worthy, at that game. James, yeah, I was there. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that you were at that game, game five in in the eighty seven. Where were you sitting that night? Uh, I was way up, way up. That was before sport. Were you doing Sports Center at the time? I was at CNN. Wow, you were at that game. That's one of the all-time great games. The the Magic Baby Hook. Yes, Good for you. Yes. Wow. But I mean, I was fortunate to have been around the NBA in the early. I the only person I didn't see in in person was Bill Russell. Saul Wilt, Maravich, you know, I, all of those great teams came into Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Royals. So I got a chance to see. Great players. So when people say, well, let's argue this, you know, I can, I, I at least have a reference point. And so you saw Oscar, yes. you're old enough to have seen Oscar as a Royal yeah. before he went to Milwaukee. Yes. We didn't realize how great he was because the Royals weren't any good, but he did this every night where he'd give you 25, 26 a game, great free throw shooter, rebounder. But we also knew of him at the university of Cincinnati. So, right. so right. a lot of times we see somebody for the first time, we go, oh, my God, did you see that guy? Well, we had seen Oscar for, you know, six, seven years before he emerged on the scene in Milwaukee when he won an NBA championship. But I missed the missing ingredient. That's right. You grew up in Cincinnati, so you saw all those royal teams. Were you at the – are you old enough? Were you at the game and when Kuzi put himself no. in and blew that five-point lead to Against the Knicks? Against the Knicks. No, I was not. But uh, – that was that was tough. We well, saw that set, you know, that that made the Knicks break the record for consecutive wins that game. Yeah. Was it 18, 18 or 19 in a row? 18, I think, in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Which the Lakers, which the Lakers obliterated, you know, two or three years later. But, you know, tell them, Danny, Kuzi uh, put himself in a game with a five point lead. What was it? 30 seconds left or something crazy like that. And they lost I know. Something, something like that. It right? was sad when you saw it, because that's where right. somebody doesn't realize they shouldn't be in the game. And Kuzi was a player coach. And he put himself in the game and I think had a couple of turnovers there. They ended up losing. Uh, before I Six let you, years. 
Six years after he had retired, too. Six years after. Uh, if you were going to arbitrate baseball and its lockout, how would you – what's the solution here, Chris? I think they're going to get something done. Uh, you can't sit there and tell me this international draft thing. I know. Tie-in. Uh, that's not going to – I think that – I, whether it's today, tomorrow, I, I do think they're going to get something done. The owners did a hella. Listen, I know everybody wants to kill the owners, so I'll go the other way. I mean, think about what the owners have given the players here, Danny. You, you've you been following this forever. They went minimum uh, salary went up to 700000 from five seventy. And then the deal goes to seven seventy. They took about the free agent compensation situation. They it went to the luxury tax went from two hundred eight to two hundred thirty million. You know, from the last agreement last year into this year at two thirty, they minimum um, the um, uh, they got away the market manipulation, the Chris Bryant nonsense that we saw with the Cubs when he got sent down to the minor leagues and they for service time. They only took twelve postseason teams when they wanted fourteen, and here's the big one. They had never given a nickel into this. They put $40 million into the salary arbitration thing for one- and two-year players. So a guy like Carbon Burns, who won a Cy Young, would not be eligible for a lot of money. Now, in subsequent years, if they signed off this, they'd have $40 million to figure out how to use if you're part of the Player Association. So to me, if I'm a player, I say, hold on now. We got minimum salary. We got CBT. We got only the amount of playoff teams we wanted. We got uh, no draft pick compensation. We got salaries. I'm an idiot. Let's go. I'm signing the contract. But, you know, they came up with this international draft thing. I think this will get settled here shortly. And I mentioned this yesterday, and you probably agree. Can you imagine if on April 15th, on the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson, they're not playing in major league ballparks yeah, in this day and age. I know. Think about that, Dan. I know. I know. I know. They have to play. They got to figure this out. That's the most, the biggest embarrassment in the world. A week before the NFL draft, and they're on, and they're on a lockout slash strike. When Jackie Robinson, seventy-five years ago, played first base for the for the Dodgers against the Boston Braves, and they're not playing baseball. That you're not going to win. You're dead. You're finished in this day and age. So I think they're going to get something done. Always great to talk to you. Congrats on the You're success the best, there at First Take. Thank You're you, buddy. Best. That's uh, Mad Dog Russo. You can see him on First Take every Wednesday with uh, Stephen A. Smith. And also he has a uh, new series of episodes for his podcast, Digging Up the Past, available Sirius XM app. When we come back, the song that you hear on the radio and you turn it off as soon as you hear it. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. Let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live wherever 
get your podcast from. I saw this tweet from Tim Callishaw, our good buddy. It's He says, it's easy to make fun of Carson Wentz, and I haven't exactly shied away from it, but put him in the Washington offense, give the defense Chase Young and better health, and it's a three-way race in the NFC East. Cowboys backsliding, Eagles drafting big, commanders are coming. Okay. I mean, they're 7-10 and with uh, Taylor Heineke. All right. Do I think Carson Wentz... Would I have taken the chance on him? I would have, but I don't know. I think taking his salary off the hands of the Colts would have been enough. I don't want to give up a couple of draft picks as well, but um, maybe, maybe he gets it. But at this age, he should be. I thought somebody was just going to wait for him to get cut. And then, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know who Washington was negotiating against. And I know there are reports that other teams wanted Carson Wentz, but... If they make the playoffs, then it's a win. All right. The last couple of days we've talked about, there was a survey done in England, and it was for the saddest song. And I think it was R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts. And then we thought, all right, we'll give you our sad song. And then we thought, all right, how about our happy song? So we gave you our happy song. And then Paulie goes, well, you know, we tend to skew negative. So how about the most irritating song that you hear on the radio that makes you turn off the radio, or change the channel. Todd, let me start with you. The most irritating song in your world on your ride home. Talking heads once in a lifetime, I find hugely oh irritating. You may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another oh, part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. In a beautiful house with a beautiful the wife. chorus on here. You this guy's a genius. It's so annoying and weird. Here he goes. Oh my god. Uh, guess who I'm going to go see on Saturday on Broadway? David Burns' Utopia. Really? Yes. Yes, and I can't wait. All right. I think he's a genius. All right, Seton. Did I ever tell you about the time I almost ran David Byrne over with my car? <laughs> when we, we were doing the show in New York City and I used to drive in, I was driving home. And we used to, when you left our studio, you made like a left and yes. went a block or two and the West Side t- Highway was right there. I remember you telling me that. And I was, uh, the light was green and I was going to make a right on my green light and there was a man walking his bike he had a hat on and he was like a tamo kind of hat and he was walking uh his bike and i think that i either was driving too fast and stopped too close to him or something but i definitely gave him a scare and he looked up at me like what the hell is wrong with you and i was like that's david Byrne! oh my god (laughs) can you imagine if i just ran him over then i wouldn't be watching you know utopia on broadway this weekend true story all right uh the irritating song for you seton is uh, well, I say yesterday, my, my one seed is of my least favorite song is Come On Eileen, right? I just can't stand that. No. But there's another one. I feel badly about this because the guys in this band are all very nice and they are super talented. Um, and I think this just has to do more with uh, some of the radio stations that I've worked at. Okay. But I cannot listen to this song. It's been one week since you looked at me. 
It's all about value. I cannot. I, I met these guys. They uh, they opened up for Hootie and the Blowfish when Hootie came back on their reunion tour. He, the lead singer could not have been a nicer they guy. Could not, I've met them several times. They could not be nicer yeah. people, and they're extremely talented. I, I wouldn't turn off that song. I've, so I used to work at like top 40 radio stations or hot AC radio stations, and I saw them in concert at least twice a year. And at the I think time, it reminds you of some bad times in your life, maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't even think about those. Uh, that's all long gone. Um, but man, it would be like every quarter hour you had at least one bare naked lady song mm. on because some about the timing or whatever. And it, it's been one. I've heard that song 15,000 times in my life. Uh, Marvin, the most irritating song in your life is. Man, people love this song and I hate it. It was on my do not playlist at my wedding. I would have killed my DJ if he had played this song. Okay. Okay. Fritzy's actually singing the song. I, right I now. like Seaton's and I like Marvin's. I like those songs. Okay. Uh, That's a bold take on that one. Yeah. Pauly? This is like picking Michael Jordan as your favorite basketball player of all time. This is one of the most obvious ones, but it, I've hated the song since the day it came out. Okay. It was the number one song in the country for like a month. It was by a formerly great band, Jefferson Airplane. It's Jefferson Starship, We Built a City. We built this city. <laughs> It's yeah. a terrible song. We yeah. built this city on rock and roll. We built yeah. this city. Uh, you know, Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, Red Octopus is a great album, but this is not a good song. This is Michael Jordan on the Wizards. This is not even that. Yeah. Nothing actually this sums up 1985 better than this song. Um, it's Michael Jordan playing for the Birmingham Barons. <laughs> All right, Marv, uh, this is my song that I, I will change the channel immediately. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. You just don't appreciate great songs. Uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Give it, yeah. And it's a long introduction. They don't even get to the vocals forever. It's got one of the greatest choruses of all time. <sighs> the union's been on strike. He's down on his luck. Yeah, I know. Just trying He's to be like done. Springsteen. So tough. And then Todd always does the sound effects. <laughs> Two hours in the books. One more to go. Dan Patrick Show. One more item as we close out our two Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Thank you for your contributions. Tunnel to Towers, T2T.org, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. What it is, is the uh, Tunnel to Towers Foundation, the Do Good Village in Land Lakes, Florida. First of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the foundation's program recipients. So together, families heal together. The foundation's Do Good Village is going to help families beyond measure. These uh, are 
Families, this is a community where the children of our nation's fallen or catastrophically injured heroes can grow and experience life together. And this is all made possible thanks to an extraordinary donation of many acres of land and your generosity. Help America's greatest heroes and their families heal together. Make the Do Good Village the first of many communities like it. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Once again, letter T, number two, letter T.org. Thank you.